Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the latest edition of First Down Snapcast. I'm your host, Richard Butler. Joining me tonight, live from America, is Jay Haygood. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing good about yourself. Really good. Just off back of a nice Father's Day weekend. It's good. good start to the week. We've got nice weather. <laughs> it's yes. all good. It's all good. Yes. Uh, so, Jay, I was doing a bit of digging into your college and NFL and your experiences and so you're at Virginia Tech now. When you're at Virginia in the early nineties, it was quite. It was quite a quite a few good players there. Quite a, bit of a tough crowd to get going in Virginia. How did yeah, you? Yeah. How, how did you find that from transitioning from where you came from from high school into Virginia Tech? Well, you know, coming from South Carolina and uh, playing high school football there, football in South Carolina is really big. So, and then I went to uh, my last year of high school, I went to Fort Hugh Military Academy, where it was, you know, it was, you know, a great place to play. And then getting to Tech, you know, we, we didn't have the best year my freshman year. So it was, you know, it was one of those things where all the red shirt freshmen got together and, you know, made Coach Beamer promise promised to take him to bowl games. And so my class is actually the class that started the bowl street. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely Everyone you speak to always have different. Some people like to go to the big colleges and they 
ones that where you know you're guaranteed it's all going to work out for you. Some colleges mm-hmm. they get many players drafted from, and Virginia's always one of them. What's always had a good mix of players, and there's mm-hmm. been so, and it's always not always been they've not always been a top college, but they've always had a steady flow of players into the NFL, and they've been renowned mm-hmm. for that over the years. Mm-hmm. And did you find that in like it was? in the coaching setup, how it was built at Virginia, but they were just always there to get the best out of the players. Yeah, well, um, I think a lot of guys that, you know, that stayed in the state of Virginia back then, uh, because in the mid-90s and early 2000s and up into the mid-2000s, up to 2010, a lot of guys from Virginia stayed, you know, stayed in state, either they went to UVA or they went to Virginia Tech. Um, It was, I think, you know, it was it was crazy because a lot of the guys from down south, football is totally different. <laughs> and so it's like a religion. So we kind of had to help them understand that, you know, you know, this is a part of our life. Yeah, we're going to get an education, but, you know, this is something that, you know, we live by. Yeah. <laughs> so after you finished your whole college career, you went to Sanford, New York Jets in 97. And yes. How, how was that signing for the Jets at the time? Um, actually, when I came into New York, you know, they, it was Bill Parcells' first year in 1997. So it was they, the year before, I think they went 1-15. and 15. And so signing as a free agent, you know, it, it was more of a business deal as a free agent to go somewhere, you know, that was rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, but that market, that, you know, being in the New York market was, it, it was really tough even coming in as a, rookie because the the news media there is that they're brutal <laughs> so everybody everybody sucks to them <laughs> you're not you're not you're not the first person to label new york the new york media is a bit of a harsh crowd to get involved with <laughs> exactly exactly but uh coming into there you know they released a lot of guys that like, hey, they actually released 19 guys from the year before so again you know parcells basically had broke this team down to where it was less pressure to make the team because the team was already developed by the time we got started with training camp. Okay. Um, obviously, an offensive tackle, so was there much experience in that position when you arrived? Like I said, because obviously all the changes, there was a lot of high players were moved on and they were like the yeah. rebuild. So was it kind of a bit of a fight for the OTs from the rookies and for the free agents? It's like, you fight for it for the position and it's yours, kind of. Yes, exactly, exactly. And the good thing is for me, I had a I had a great mentor in John Bo Elliott, who, you know, he, he was had been in the league probably uh, maybe, you know, 11 years, 12 years at that time. So he, you know, kind of mentored me. And then he, he basically that old line, because they were older, they mentored a lot of the rookies that came in as offensive linemen. So, and that, that was the big thing. And like, even with the, the draftees and the, and the free agents, you you become close friends because you don't know, you know, NFL stands for not for long. So you don't yeah. know how long you're going to be there. <laughs> and so everybody, you become a close-knit family when you're rookies because, you know, you're in a different place. It's just like starting college all over again. Yes, definitely. I can imagine. Obviously, it didn't last long in New York and a, a brief move to Miami. But one of the things mm-hmm. that stuck out is, you, you came to Europe and you enjoyed playing over in Europe. <laughs> yes, I, I actually loved it. So it was crazy. I was telling, I was telling my wife. I said, uh, I said I played football three years straight. I said I went from, I went from Miami. I said I went from Miami to Frankfurt and 
back to New Orleans and then from New Orleans uh, back to Frankfurt. And then I went back to New Orleans and then I ended up coming uh, to Berlin. So, but I, but I really enjoyed the fan base that was over in Europe at that time. So um, people don't understand like the, uh, um, the fans in Europe are more loyal, you know, like they're, you know, they're into the sport and, and it was more of a, I, it's hard to say, like it was, I had never seen concerts before a game and, you know what I'm saying? The festivities. I mean, we have tailgating, but, but there, it, it was like a, it was like a festival every Saturday. Yeah, we are. I know if you ever seen international games, what are in London is it's more of a carnival thing. So you've got a bit, we have a bit of tailgating. It's not one like in America, we've got a bit of music on before the game, a bit of music halftime. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like a mini Super Bowl in a way. All crammed into mm-hmm, one. Yeah. The European <laughs> League, which is a shame, really, because I think if the NFL had pursued with it in the, in the around the time of the late nights and kept pushing it, the international and obviously about the franchise thing would never have come about, and the, the NFL Europe would not be seen as like a place where players go to finish. It'd be like mm-hmm. it, it would be like the step up. It's the alternative to college into the NFL. Kind of for European, mm-hmm. for European and other players from around the world. Yes, yes, and and I and I played with a guy named uh, Vernon Hippler who uh, played in the NFL Europe first, and then he played with the Chargers, and he was a great guy. And there was so many guys that I played with that was from the German community, from from England, as a matter of fact, because we had uh, Bill House. He was from uh, he was from London, and he played wide receiver. I mean, a great wide receiver, but doesn't get a look because he's in another country, and so. And I think a lot of times the NFL, you know, unless you come to college here, um, they miss out on a lot of players that there are, you know, say in the European leagues. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to address that nowadays with the international development program where they've got players getting, it seems each year division gets selected to have a different European player on the team. And they get, it's, mm-hmm. they get around it by saying that you can have him additional to the 53-man squad and they're going to only practice squad so you don't effectively have to cut a professional guy for one of these European rookies. So I think they're trying to definitely build it on there. But in that, mm-hmm. two, that, that 2000 season in Frankfurt, it was a bit of a roller coaster. And like I said, the atmosphere, the fans let you know. Like In America, sometimes some of the stadiums can go a bit like quiet mid-games, but they don't in Frankfurt, do they? <laughs> no, never, never in Frankfurt. It was never even the 2000 season. I think we broke even. I think we went five and five. But you just thought we were undefeated every Saturday. <laughs> so, so the fan base in, in Frank, especially like Frankfurt, it really grew. Like it was because then you have the you have the American military bases there, and then you have a lot of people that are into American football. So you're looking at sixty thousand people in you know in a soccer stadium. And you can't even hear yourself think. I didn't realize how loud soccer stadiums were. <laughs> I mean, you're in the stadium, can't even hear yourself think. <laughs> no, I can imagine that being an American going over, you're a bit skeptical, thinking, "Yeah, I'm gonna get some game time." But is it just, is it just playing like a bit college football kind of thing? You don't know what. It's a bit of an unknown walking into. Was it for uh, yourself? So you- or- yeah, well, you didn't really know until you got to meet the guys that had been there previous. And the good thing is we had uh, Mario Bailey my first year. Well, he was there my first two years. And with Mario, he had been there for a few years. So he was like, you know, being in Frankfurt, Frankfurt was probably, you know, one of the best places to play, you know. And he was like, you know, 
you know, he said years before it was either the London Monarchs or Frankfurt. That's where you wanted to be at in those two, you know what I'm saying, cities. So, but being in Frankfurt, you know, he kind of, you know, when you find out you're going to NFL Europe, you know, at first you're down, you're like, man, I don't, I've never been to another country. I had never been out of the state for a day in my life. And I was like, I didn't know what to expect. Am I going to like the food? And for me, the good thing is I had two cousins that were in the, in the army over there in Wiesbaden. So I got a chance to, you know, visit with them and have family close. So it was it. But as far as atmosphere and, and, and learning, it, it felt just like college because you were going into a setting that you didn't, you weren't ready for. So it was very, I, I underestimated the excitement in NFL Europe. I did. I underestimated. I just thought, go over there, play a little bit, come back, get on the squad. Yeah. But the first game, I never forget, we played the Berlin Thunder, and I was like, we ran out. So, and this is in warm ups. We ran out just the stretch. It probably was forty thousand people sitting in the stands. I, I was amazed. So, so it, it was a good time. Yeah, I know it's crazy because, like you say, you see, I've experienced a few games in America and stuff, and no one really gets to the seats until games about start because we're all out tailgating. But in the European games, mm-hmm. they're all sat there as soon as they get the ticket in. With the sat with bear and not dogs, it's stand waiting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly, sat, there, exactly. sat there viewing everything going in practice. I hope he's not playing. He's not pulling his weight, and they'll let you know straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and the craziest thing is, like, even being at practice. I know in the NFL, you know, they kind of close practice, but I know in Frankfurt and Berlin, our practices were actually open to the public. So there'd be a thousand people at practice, and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, you know, people would take time out of their day just to come. Look at guys that you know they don't even know about. <laughs> yeah, so, it was very, very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, it's definitely impressive, and it's really good that um, this past weekend the European League restarted. It's been mm-hmm. given a given a backing by the NFL, and it's got a few of the originals: Barcelona Dragons, Frankfurt Galaxy, Burn, Burning Funds have all started up again under them names, which is. It can only be positives for not only NFL, the European, the football in Europe, but for the NFL in the long run. Yes, yes, yes. I, I think it's going to take it just like how uh, the NFL Europe started off as the, the World League and then, you know, transitioned to NFL Europe. It, it's, you know, the NFL is going to be patient and let it take time, just like the NBA done with, you know, with their D League and their G League. It took, you know, people didn't realize those leagues were in effect back in the mid-80s, but you never heard about them because you were just only, you know, people don't realize that's where Dr. J came from. So that was back in the 70s. So, those are things that people, you know, with the NFL that understand it has to take time to grow because there, there are so many great players that play, you know, in Europe. So many, like you see the guys and then they're so fit and you're like, man, what have I been eating? <laughs> so, you know, it, it changed your life and they're so strong and it's like, man, I mean, what am I doing wrong? So, but, um, but I think with the NFL, it's going to take them, they, they just need to be more, instead of looking at it as a bad situation, they need to, the owners need to take it as a, you know, as a way to send players there to develop, to get better and come back and be ready. Because every 21, 22 year old is not ready to go against a guy that's, you know, 28 years old or 32 years old. Those are grown men. And some of the, you know, some of the guys that come out of college, they're still kids. So that, you know, having, you know, basically a minor league for the NFL would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit the nail head on there a bit about the step up from college for NFL now. Normally, your first first rounders are ready for the NFL. It may be the majority mm-hmm. of the second rounders, but then you drop into the later rounds, and I think it's been brought up on a few programs before. It, it can it even training camp can break round three picks onwards because you've got mm-hmm. 
you've got the veterans fighting for the place. You've got these free agents mm-hmm. who have been cut from other teams. And you're mm-hmm. this young kid out of college who's got maybe a fourth round draft pick. Potentially, mm-hmm. potentially come end of August, you've been drafted, but you might not even make a team. Exactly. Because you've exactly. got, and you're coming off based off your competition where, yeah, at your college, some teams, some players are good, but everyone in the NFL is elite because, the, especially mm-hmm. the veterans who've been there years, and they're, they're mm-hmm. like, like you say, it's a not for long league, and they're giving everything possible to stay in it as long as they exactly. can. Exactly, and I, and I tell people all the time, you know, NFL Europe saved my career. You know, a lot of guys, you know, they get that one or two and then they're done. But, you know, me being, you know, making the decision um, going to NFL Europe and then having such a great coach, you know, like Coach Curl and Bob Bicknell, who, you know, he's the offensive line coach for uh, the Auburn Tigers here in the States now. These are guys that, you know, but they 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 coach in the NFL eventually. So, you, you know, you get a great, you know, <clears throat> You get a lot of good hands-on because, you know, there you're able to practice longer. You're able to, you know, do drills more because it's, you know, yeah, you watch film and you break down the film, but it's not, it's more concentrated. I know when we were there, more concentrated on your skill set, on working on things that say your team, say team, say that you're not a great run blocker. So you get a chance to work on that while you're in Europe. So in in regards to going to the, to the Europe side of the league, do you get much of a – did you have much of a say, or was it today you're going to NFL Europe to play? Is it kind of were you told to go, or were you given the opportunity? No, there was more of a sale because you know that you know they wanted to develop. You know, especially when I was leaving Miami, they you know my agent had spoke with you know the office coordinator at the time, and they were like, you know, he need to develop his run block, <clears throat> and you know, you know, it was, and they they actually said Franklin would be the best place for me to go at the time because of you know Coach Curl loved loved to run the football him being a BC guy. So he loved running the football. So it was a perfect setting for me because I was like, yeah, I do. I need to, that's something that, you know, being in college and then, you know, playing with the New York Jets, the only thing we did was throw the football. <laughs> so I was used to pass blocking, you know, my quarterback in college was a first rounder. So every time we, you know, we may have ran 20 plays and run plays, but for me, they didn't have to really sell it to me. It was more, um, it was more of a, well, I mean, it was a sale, but it was, you know, helping me understand what I needed to work on. So, and do you feel from going to NFL Europe, you probably you got more out of it than sitting on a practice squad? Yeah, yeah, I got way more. Yeah, yeah, because even the one year that I spent with uh, on the practice squad with New Orleans, I got a chance to work, you know, a little, you know, work in the offseason a little bit more. But see, the thing is, when you're actually playing in the game compared to just going and running somebody else's plays it makes the world a difference because I can go, if you show me a script, hold up a card, I can run that play. I can, you know, make the adjustments block and all that stuff. But now if you're, if I have to learn a specific, you know, offensive setting, then I have to adjust to it. So I think the NFL Europe experience was way. That's That's really good. Is that Um, going into We'll go bring back around to the NFL now, nowadays. Um, how do you see like your former teams, New York Jets, are seem to be in rebuild mode again? Miami, quite a, a lot stronger. They played really well last year, and mm-hmm. really for, former teams. It looks like New Orleans are in a complete rebuild, and it's the post Drew Brees era. And it, mm-hmm. myself, I'm a New England fan, so obviously we're in the post Brady era. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's looking a very long tunnel at the moment. <laughs> so mm-hmm, is, yeah. it, is the yeah. potential for that to happen in New Orleans, do you reckon, that it could take a few years to come back to where they want to mm-hmm. be? Yes, yes. And I, and I think, like, you know, looking at the teams that I played for, um, I think Miami has done a great job drafting the past three years. New York, they have to – the biggest thing for them, they you know, they built the offensive line, which is great. They finally got a quarterback, and now we got to see what he can do. Because he's had, they've had the receivers, and they've had the defense. So now we just got to build off of offense. So I think that's the uh, the biggest thing. And then when New Orleans with, you know, Drew Brees calling it, you know, calling it quits, it's it's it start from ground zero. So you don't know where that – you know, where they're going to land this year. So – yeah, and they had to cut a lot of people because they were treading very fine to that salary cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep, yep. <laughs> just going back to that Miami drafting really well, obviously upsets me quite a bit as that being a New England fan. But not only drafting very well, the sort the trip they seem to might have pulled the wool over Houston Texans with future with a trade as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might yeah, have been the exactly. Greatest trade ever. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I I think it's. Like right now with the NFL and, and it, with the whole NFL, the trading and the drafting, like now it's so – people guys are like, you know, like nowadays they're like, well, I'm not going to play. I'd rather get traded. And then they'll get traded somewhere else. You know, but, you know, years ago, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s, you done that, you just got cut and you went home until somebody picked mm-hmm. you up. So you don't want to play, we just cut you. So <laughs> – yeah, I, th- I think if you look at some of the story- least stories and plays, like say from the 90s, either re-signed, you played your con- mm-hmm. you ran your contract down, and then you hoped in off-season you could impress someone enough to sign you. There was none of this, like you say, blockbuster trades, I'm going to sit on bench until you trade me. It, yeah, oh, it, oh, exactly. I was proving it last few years with like Livy and Bell sitting out because he wanted more money. And his, his, yeah, career's, it, his career's gone really well since doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, let me sit out, I and mean, then uh, I won't play again. But I, yeah. but I tell you what, I play with, uh, and, and you know, going back to NFL Europe and how it really developed guys. Like I played with Jake Delone, and me and Jake actually, you know, played together in New Orleans, and like that, that is the prime example. You know, everybody always talk about Kurt Warner, but people don't realize that Jake Delone actually was the third string quarterback in New Orleans for years. And then he goes to Carolina, becomes a starter. Now, mind you, the whole time he's in the third-string quarterback, he spent three years in NFL Europe. He would go, you know, go over and play and come back and be the third-string quarterback. I mean, he, you know, busted his tail. And then we came with a starting quarterback. The first year he took the Carolina Panthers to, to a Super Bowl. Although they lost, but he took them there. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, and, there, and that's where people don't, you know, I think now a lot of teams are starting to see where, you know, they may pick a first-round pick. You know what I'm saying? And he may not be ready. He may have great numbers, but he may not be ready for that caliber of talent. So, you know, you send them over and let them play and get used to, you know what I'm saying? The, the game is so much faster in the league. Everybody in college is strong. And you got a couple of people that's really fast, but everybody in the NFL is strong and really, really fast. Like, they're not slow. So, <laughs> everybody's fast. Yeah, it's. Um, I think, it, like I say, on that example there, it gets overshadowed because Kurt Warner won the Super Bowl. So, that's... He's the yeah. most famous. He's the most famous <laughs> NFL Europe player because he won the Super Bowl. Exactly. But, but if he'd won the Super Bowl at Carolina, Jake Long would be mentioned just in the exact same level as Kurt Warner. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And then you have Ben Terry, who was uh, the kicker uh, over in Europe for a long time, and people don't realize that he spent uh, three years over in Europe and. Went to, you know, finally New England gave him a shot and then bam, he's probably, you know, he'll be, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So 
there are a lot of guys that have come and taken the time to, you know, go over to Europe and, you know, readjust their game and become better. Yeah. Because you're still playing against the same type of caliber of players. Like, you're not playing against, you know, some Joe Small off the street. So, you know, the talent is yeah. still good. Yeah, you've got your, you've got your raw European talent, and then you've got all these American players who have gone over because there's enough room in the NFL because of certain things. There were even 32 teams when NFL Europe was going around. There's even less, so even less spots mm-hmm. to fight for. And you had your choice mm-hmm. of going up to CFL or go to Europe. But I think, mm-hmm. just going back to your mentor, Adam Vinatieri, I think he'd been taking um, age tablets or something, because he feels like he's been playing for as long as I've been alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm, 36, I'm 36 this year. It feels like he's been playing forever. Forever. <laughs> He does. It, it does. He, he, he's this like, you know, he's made so many clutch hits and, you know, kicks and stuff like that. But it just seems like he's been with, you know, different teams and been with, the, like, especially with the Patriots. And like he's been with them for 20 years and I'm 47. So. Yeah. Well, it, was, it was New England and Colts. That's it. <laughs> but he's been around for that long. Yeah. After you finished playing, Jay, did you ever fancy getting into any kind of, Coaching with a guy in the NFL or in college. Well, I ended, yeah, yeah. Well, I ended up coaching in NFL Europe. I coached um, with the um, Cologne Centurion. So mm-hmm. you know that's when Barcelona left. Bar- the uh, Dragons left from Barcelona and came to Cologne, and uh, I ended up coaching with them for two years. And and so and then I ended up uh, during that time I was even a high school coach. And the craziest thing is I was a defensive coordinator at a high school in Virginia, defensive coordinator, not even offense. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I did that for about uh, six years. And and then from that point, I moved back home for a while. And then I coached at uh, the middle school that I uh, played at back home. And I had been there the past five years till I left two years ago. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I coached a little bit because I feel like for me, I always wanted to coach younger kids. Because the aspect of it is, you know, I had a coach that always told me, you, you know, it's hard to coach younger guys unless you've been there. You know, he was like, you know, I can't really tell you how to get there. I can help you get there, but I don't know what it takes to stay there. So, you know, having the knowledge of, you know, telling kids, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make. There'll be things that you don't want to do. You may have you may have a family. And you may have to leave them for, you know, four months, you know, and go to Europe or you may have to play in the CFL where you're not making a lot of money. So you have to have, you know, two or three uh, roommates. So, um, but I've always wanted to work with younger kids. And that's why I do a lot of off-season training and things like that here in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. So it, um, yeah, I, I still have football in my blood. So I, I kind of, every time I try to get away from the game, me and my wife, we laugh about it because I told us that every time I say I'm not going to do something, next thing I know I'm doing 10 <laughs> football camps. I got new, you know, trainee kids. So it, 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 it's amazing. You try to get away from the game, but it never leaves you. <laughs> no, I can, I can imagine. It's, it's obviously, we we love it over here, obviously, but it's, it's your Sunday game. It's your, it's your church in America. And mm-hmm. you, like I say, you can't escape it. No matter which you try, you know, there's always a way. It's like, oh, can we come back do this? And you get stuck back into it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But at least, exactly. You're back, at least you're back home doing it, close to the home and family, because I spoke to a few people before, and the downside of the, the, the coaching job sometimes is you've been away as a player for maybe five, ten years from your family, and mm-hmm. then you go straight on the road coaching, and you're away again, and you miss your kids growing up and everything. So it's such a big commitment after finishing playing to going into the coaching with the teams in college and NFL, because you're always travelling and you're based so far away from family. 
you don't really want yeah, to, I, you don't always want to move yeah. your family, do you? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like I tell people all the time, like as a player, you know, I thought we put in a lot of time, you know what I'm saying, practicing, lifting weights, training, stuff like that. And it's really it's an eight, maybe 10-hour day. But as a coach, you're looking at 14, you know, 16 hours a day. Because when I went back over, I was like, man, I didn't realize y'all done all this. And they were like, man, we don't get home to 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. We're back over here at 6. And it's, you know, so that was a lifestyle. Those two years that I, you know, worked with Cologne, I was like, man, this is really, you know, I, I tell people all the time, if you're going to get into coaching, you better have a good woman that's going to stand by you and wait for you because you're not going to be at home at all. So. <laughs> Excellent. So just quickly as well, Jay, obviously from Carolina, how do you fancy Panthers this year? Donald's arrived from your old team, the Jets. Do you think it could be a good fit for him? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And plus, and, you know, then that market is, is a great place to play because of the atmosphere, because you're getting the, the taste of Southern football. Because the further south you, you get, you get, you know, it's just like, you know, there are certain areas up north where football is big, like Pennsylvania, but it's freezing up there. So, you know, I wouldn't want to go up there. <laughs> but, <No. laughs> but, uh, but I think he'll be a good fit. And I think that, you know, with Carolina, Carolina has the ability to be a great team this year. Now it's just up to the coaching staff to put everything together, I think. It's definitely, from the outside perspective, the NFC South, it's, Tampa, but it's a fight for that second spot, which could be playoffs. Mm -hmm. But you bet it's better to be at the front of that queue. And I think Carolina, what they've done, Atlanta have just got rid of Julio, so that's one weapon gone. Saints have lost yeah. a few, so mm -hmm. there's a good chance for Carolina. Brought in steady, good quarterback. He knows some of the receivers from his time in New York, and obviously a fit Christian McCaffrey is going to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having yeah, and he and he's you know now him being a veteran. He and he's turning it on like he's just keeping Christian McCaffrey. He keeps getting better and better and better. Like I'm like, where's the end to this young man? Like he's just you know every year since like even every game he's you know he performs even better. So and I'm talking about with a mediocre offensive line. So you know he doesn't have you know the big name offensive lineman. So you know he, he's doing a great job. So yeah, and he's 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 straight in there. There'll be a scrap for him in the first round of fantasy drafts. I'm sure in the next couple of weeks, everyone starts drafting oh, the fantasy yeah. teams. Oh, <laughs> People are going to be paying a lot of money to get him, get him in the next couple of weeks. So. We, we did a few drafts last year, and I think he went in the first two picks in about seven drafts, did McCaffrey. Oh, it's wow. just crazy. Because yeah, yeah. You need your yeah. running backs. Because a few people yeah, have jumped quarterbacks, but you need to go running backs first. They get your points. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you got to get your points first. I tell anybody, especially in fantasy football, you go for everybody want a quarterback, but I'm going for a running back. That's what I'm doing. I'm going for running backs and and, and wide receivers. That's what I'm doing. So I'm gonna get my wide outs first and my my running backs, and then I'll, I'll look at a quarterback. <laughs> well, there's, well, there's 32 of them. As long as there's 30, one of them's guaranteed to start. So as long as you get a couple of first two wide receivers, you've got points. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, well, exactly. It's been a pleasure, Jay, to chat to you tonight and to get insight, not just into the, the European side of how your career went and how it benefited you in your coaching career going forward. And it's been a pleasure to hear that. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me on, man. I was so excited that you invited me on. And I was like I said, you know, with the, you know, with the new, you know, European League, you know what I'm saying? And it just, you know, just brought everything back together because this year will be 20 years since we won the World Bowl and, uh, in uh in uh Dusseldorf so yeah. so this is you know so this is very, very exciting no it's exciting times and we're looking forward fingers crossed touch wood 
the COVID's lifting, so we'll get the international games back in London. We've got two of your former teams, the Jets and Miami, coming over. And the, mm-hmm. the prospect, the NFL, have put the tender out to go to games in Germany next year. It's just, it's exciting times in Europe for NFL fans, and it was, it's great to have been able to speak to you, Jay, if you've lived the journey in Frankfurt and Berlin and Cologne <laughs> on your return. Okay, thank you so much, man. Thanks thank for you. having me. No, no worries right. anytime, Jay. Thank you. No, no problem. Cheers. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.